Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey. And the wisdom of God transcends, it lifts you over. Where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. Love is a manifestation of strength. The Holy Spirit produces nothing but strength in us. I want to show you. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. What's going on, family? It's your man, Gerard Bonner of Bonnerfied Radio, and we are back for another episode of On Course with Heart Ramsey, and we call these sessions Heart to Heart. It's our opportunity to pick the brain, but more importantly, hear from the heart of Pastor Heart Ramsey as he shares all that's on his heart and his perspective on life, liberty, church, you know, you name it, it's great. Pastor Heart, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Gerard. How you doing? I am doing great. So I'm still kind of buzzing from the the conversation we were having about Easter, and it sparked some thoughts in my head as it pertains to evangelism. Okay. Um, you know, when it comes to evangelism, I think, and certainly the look of evangelism has changed over the years, but I still think a lot of people, when they think evangelism and witnessing, they think tracks. They think, you know, a lot of these, you know, knocking door to door and that type of thing. And and I wonder if that has somewhat handicapped the growth of our churches. Let's talk a little bit about some effective means and methods of evangelism. What have you found to be something that is effective that really reaches the heart of people? You know, um, first, before I I really address that, I I want to to address the problem. I'm going to go back to what didn't work. Okay, that's important. <laughs> you know, when I first got saved, Gerard, there was a thing called, this, uh, in my church, the Soul Action, Soul Winning Action Team, SWAT. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the SWAT team. We yes. put your, and what you did was basically you took a Jehovah's Witnesses model and you went house to house witnessing. Now, so I want to address that first of all. The, the first problem that and I love slaying sacred cows because they make for good steak. That's good. And, and so you know, um, the problem with with this thing of of going witnessing is that that's an action verb. But but you have to understand in Acts chapter one it says Jesus said. Matter of fact, it started in verse seven. He said unto them, "It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the, which the Father had put in His own power or under His own control, but you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be." Witnesses. There it is. Esomai in the in the Greek. Esomai to be. I, you will become witnesses, and what it means is basically it's it's, it's a simple thing. It, it, it's it's not an action verb. It's it's passive. You're going to be a witness. You're not going to go witnessing. You're not going to do witnessing. You're going to be a witness. Wow. Okay. And so what we do wrong is is instead of creating. Instead of instead of uh, doing the, the, the discipleship that's necessary to cause people to become witnesses, we train them to go witnessing. Mm. Here's here's they're not the same thing, right? You see, what I'm saying uh, um to to, to be a, a, a light and to to do lighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very different. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what do you do? Or I work in lighting, but to be a light and to work in lighting is different. Right. They're two different. 
two different thought processes, two different, okay? So I, I think what we're messing up, first of all, is, is that we don't understand that we, our evangelism first starts at home. Right. When I say at home, I'm talking about not just with my, my nuclear family, us four no more. I'm talking about my, my cousins and my, my aunties. And it, it's my, I, become, I become this, this different, I'm, I become a witness of the grace and love of God to them. Yeah. Because they see it in me. And, and so I used to teach years ago in my church a, a thing called the Oikos principle of, of household evangelism. Oikos is the word for household. It means family. It means house. Okay. Um, the household of God, Oikos, O-I-K-O-S in the Greek. And what it is, is what we grew our church initially by, by training people to acknowledge the fact that God changed them. Mm. And to be comfortable with the fact that they have their, you are a new creation. God has made you a new person. Now stop hiding that new that new creation from your family. That's good. Just just be. Just don't do. Just be. Yeah. And people say, "Well, I don't always get it right." I said, "Good. It shows your humanity." Right. But 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 also, the, your family has to be able to look at you and say, "Man, something changing about you." Right. And that's how our church grew. When people started just being witnesses on their jobs, just being witnesses with their family, being witnesses wherever they went, people said, man, where do you go to church? A, a pastor had newly moved to the city and he uh, uh, invited me out to eat. And we were sitting there eating. He said, he said, every time I invite someone to come to my church, they say, well, I'm, I already have a church. And he said, it got to the place I started going, you go to NCC, don't you? <laughs> and wow. I said, so we laughed about that. I said, how do you, how do you know? He said, the people that go to your church have a, a different thing about them. I said, what is it? He said, they just seem different. Now, wow. here's a question. Did they seem better? No, they seem different, but the difference is better. Wow. You see, that's yeah. holiness. Yeah. The word, the root word hagos for holiness means different. Wow. And the difference is better. It's the difference of God on you. So the, the key thing is let that little word be. We need to start paying attention to it in the scriptures because many times God will tell us to be something, be ye holy for I am holy, and you hear do ye holy for I am holy. Be and do are two different words with two different functions. One is passive. Okay, here's a good example. In baseball, uh, the batter goes up to the plate, Mm -hmm. okay? Okay, and and, and the next thing is uh, the boy or the batter hits the ball, okay? Batter hits the ball. Could be a single, double, triple, home run, or out, but he hits the ball. Okay? Or he could say the batter was hit by the ball. Right. It's a walk. Okay? Now, but see, we get that confused. Did the batter hit the ball or was the batter hit by the ball? Did the batter make it happen or was it did it happen to the batter? Mm. Okay? I, I, do, do I make myself a witness and go witnessing, or has God made me a witness? Ooh. You see how important that is, that difference is? And the word, and you know the word, this is going to really freak the saints out. And the word for witnessing is the word martos. It means martyr. My, go- my goodness. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's really, literally a witness. It, one who has information or knowledge of something, and hence the person can give this information or bring light or confirm to others. This is the root word, martyr. Martos is the root word of the word, uh, uh, is the word uh, martyrus or, or martyr. Mm. So, so it means that I have something that others need. I have information. I, I can bring light to the situation. I can confirm for them what they've been thinking. Um, I haven't, it, all, it doesn't mean that, that go do something. It means I have something. Wow. I have something that they need. 
That's the beginning of evangelism. I have some, the understanding that we have something that they need. And this is the important part. Me having it doesn't make me better. The only reason I got it is to the mercy of God. Right. The mercy, grace sent mercy out to save my life. Mercy saved me and brought me back to grace. And our grace favors me because mercy, it's a powerful thing. Mercy can't save what grace won't sustain. Ooh. Yeah. In other words, God never sends the grace of God never sends mercy out to save anyone if the plan of God is not to sustain that person and use that person for something incredible that they didn't deserve. So mercy um, withholds from me what I do deserve, while grace gives to me what I don't deserve. Wow. You see what I'm saying? That concept, uh, uh, the, uh, the entire concept of, of evangelism has to be birthed out of the notion that I have something that was given to me. I don't deserve it, and I need to give it to others. Jesus said, freely you receive, freely give. And the problem now with the, the church's evangelism is we're going out shaking our fist at people saying, repent or else. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's, I understand the concept, of, but I promise you this. Noah did not spend 110, 20 years Shouting at people, right. he appealed to them. He begged them. Right, it's going to rain. I know you. I know you can't imagine it's going to rain. I know this ark looks crazy on land, but I promise you, I, the, God has spoken to me. It's real. Oh, and the only people after all that time, of the prop, the possible millions that live in the earth, eight people, mm. his family, went into the ark. Wow. God closed the door. And everybody else was lost. That's when evangelism has to be an invitation. Come into the ark. That's good. And and the the, the, the interesting thing today is that it's not a hard sell. No. Look around you. Look at the world. The world. The book of Revelation is actually, as a matter of fact, the Bible from from Matthew twenty four, where Jesus prophesied. All the prophecies are starting to come to pass. All this stuff has happened with Russia in the news. Right. In, in in Scripture, Russia is Gog and Magog in the book of Revelation. They're coming. They're, they're coming towards uh, towards Israel. People wonder what does Russia want. Well, look at the map. The only thing standing between uh uh. Israel and Russia are the nations of Turkey and Syria. Oh wow! Yes, and all this stuff that's people don't even realize that Syria is the is the nation right next door to Israel. Wow! And so Syria Syria has to fall, and Turkey has to give way for Russia's army to come through to get to Israel because Armageddon. This last battle is going to happen. There's a lot of other things that's happening in concert with that, but the last battle, Armageddon, that the Bible talks about, is a battle that where Russia and China are coming from different directions, are uh, coming against Israel, and Jesus himself was, was standing on the, on, on the, um, on the mount. Actually, uh, um, the Bible says he, he will come um, on the Mount of Olives, I believe it is, and, and, and he will begin to do war, and the blood is going to flow to a house's bridle in the Kidron Valley. So, so there's so much prophecy unfolding. I'm watching the news, thinking to myself, "Oh my God, I'm alive to see this." Right. So, I, I went wow. eschatology. I went into eschatology on you real quick. But- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it, but 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 that's important, and it's certainly uh, relative and relevant to this because, you know. Growing up, certainly we were kind of taught the the appeal was always the scary appeal, you know, like, uh, do you know where you'd be right now if Jesus came and, you know, <laughs> hell is coming and and those kinds of things. And, and I think it scared a lot of us into this whole, well, let me get saved because I don't want to go to hell thing. 
But right. it did not create a scenario for relationship. Um, and so th- that's why I think this evangelism piece becomes so important because we have to understand what is the appeal to people. You know, we haven't necessarily done a good job of making Jesus or salvation appealing. And then for those who do, it's as though we in the church call them people who compromise. What is that about? Well, you know, I want to say that um, this generation is is a different generation. Yes. Um, And I'm going to read a scripture to you from Daniel 12 and 4 from the New Living Translation. It says, but you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. The King James says, and knowledge shall be increased. Mm. Okay? So what we have to understand about this generation that we're looking at is that they're wired for knowledge. Right. They're wired for, in other words, they're they're looking for information. They want to know. The problem with with the church up to this point is, Many of us have been worshiping a God we don't know. Right. You know, we, we have different different things that we've memorized, different cliches, and and we know certain. But they they're looking for facts and truth. So so that the first thing that we have to understand is that the generation is wired for knowledge. Number two, we have to understand that they're looking for transparency. We have to we have to lead truthfully. Right. Okay. God cannot be glorified if we're faking perfection. Oh, that's good. He can't. His glory is, re- is revealed when people see our weaknesses consumed by His strength. Right. And so, and so, I mean, of course, they don't want us to be messy, and they don't want us to be to, to be um, duplicitous and all this. And you know, mm-hmm. they don't want us to be running around here um, uh, professing one thing and living another. Right. But, but I think that, that they, they need transparency from us, especially as it relates to the pulpit. Um, they they need us to be the kind of people who who say, "Listen, I'm a work in progress." And and it, it actually gets me to, to the third point. We teach. We, we always talk about God's plan of salvation. But we never get people to understand God's plan of sanctification. Oh, that's good. See, the, see, the gospel has been grossly misunderstood by by a lot of previous generations. We, a matter of fact, I'm going to read scripture. John 17 and 17, Jesus said, make them holy by your truth. Hmm. Teach them your word, which is truth. That's John 17 and 17 from the New Living Translation. Yeah. Um, if you read in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, there's a powerful scripture that says, may, may in verse 23, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and make your, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the, uh, until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And verse 24 says, God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. In other words, um, um, God is the one that makes us holy in every way. We, we don't teach the sanctification process. Right. And so the, these are things that as we evangelize and as the, as the, the people look to us, and I, I pray I'm, I'm not too far off the question you asked, but, but it's important for them, for us to understand who we're dealing with. These people are wired for knowledge. Um, we can't, we can't just, um, uh, we can't, we can't fake it. We have to know what we're talking about. We have to know the Lord we're talking about. Right. And, and um, you can't just advertise a miracle revival and not have miracles. Right. Because they're going to take note of that. Yeah. You know, they, and, and another thing I want to I want to say, and I've seen this a lot, is we need to be careful um, building um, moves of God upon personalities. Absolutely, because because I'm tired. There's some wonderful personalities, man. There's some people that that you admire, and you say, man, that's God. I've I've seen right now some bona fide moves of God that's going on. That's going on. Mm-hmm. But the only problem I see is a lot of it is is, is based around the personality. Mm-hmm. And so if the enemy attacks that personality, and and as all men are prone to do. Um, um, 
um, they give way in a moment of weakness to whatever, or, uh, you know, it, it could turn out where the whole move is compromised because right. one person had a human moment. Right. So, so I, I recommend you, we preach Jesus, we keep him the center of everything, we keep him, the, keep the focus on him and us as just ministers and servants of, of his, and, and, and needing the same salvation, the same sanctification everyone else needs. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Hart Ramsey. To subscribe, simply text the word Uplift to the number 46786. Once again, text the word Uplift to the number 46786. And daily you'll receive a text message designed to uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Amen. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. That's so good. I, I, I love the part that you said that we don't talk about the, the sanctification part because it's almost like uh, – remember those shows where they would show you uh, a recipe and then they would show you the finished product? And they would start off and they would mix the ingredients and they'd show you, you put this in, you put this in, you put that in. And then literally they, come, they, they go and put it in the oven and then they take out what's already been prepared. So right. you, you don't know okay, you really have to let this sit in here for an hour and you right. really have to, you know, so it's like when, when we tell people about salvation, but then we don't tell them about sanctification, then what happens is when they have, they, they, they see us kind of as the after product and they don't know how to get there. So when they have a moment where they're like, wait a minute, I still like this thing that I'm no longer supposed to like, you know, right. well, now my salvation is gone because I'm not supposed to like it anymore. Because all we've heard is, you know, uh, my hands look new, my feet look new, you know, all that other stuff. So how, how do we practically begin teaching people 
the process of sanctification? That's a good question. And I want to, I want to go here with it. You know, every story in the Old Testament is a type or shadow or an explanation of something in the new. Every concept in the New Testament is actually explained in the old. Okay. And every and every every um story in the Old Testament has a New Testament revelation of it. Right. Okay? So so the picture is let's go back to Noah because I've been mentioning Noah quite a bit. Yeah. So so th- there's a couple of things you have to understand. Number one, Noah built a boat that was able to withstand a torrential downpour. The Bible says that the water literally rose um I think 22 feet above the highest mountain in the world. Wow. And if you do if you measure Mount Everest, that means th- um the the ark was riding above water that was higher than, than airlines fly today. Wow. This, it was higher it was higher than 38,000 square feet. Wow. I'm, I'm sorry, 38,000 feet. Think about that. That's high. That's how high they were. That's very high. Okay, so so it it, it brings it brings to to bear these questions. The first thing that we need to realize is I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump on the obvious one. To be that high, that means. The same, the same insulation that we have in aircrafts today, that same technology had to be in the ark. Right. God had to do something supernatural in the ark where they could breathe without, without, without the, the oxygen in there. Right. You know, some years ago, uh, 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 this golfer, his plane, I forgot who it was, his, his jet was seen just cruising. And so they, they called some F-14s up to follow it. And, and they found that everyone inside the plane had died because there was a, a, a leak. Oh, wow. In the fuselage, and what happened was, everyone, um, for loss of oxygen, they just passed out. The wow. plane went somewhere to crash. Wow. So, so and they were only like thirty-two thousand square feet. Wow. Okay, so so that means in the ark, there had to be this supernatural uh, um, environment. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's another thing also that you need to know that that's interesting. And I, I, I tweeted about this this morning when Noah built the ark. They put tar, the, the Bible, the King James says pitch, but they put tar on the inside and tar on the outside. And what's crazy is that the word for pitch or tar in the Hebrew is the same word for atonement. Whoa. And let me tell you what, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know what atonement means, it, it, it speaks to the sacrifice of the lamb that was slain for people's sin. Wow. So imagine this, it, it, it's saying that on the inside of the ark, um, and and the, the purpose of tar was to was to waterproof or to seal it. So it's, it's, it says when we when we come into Christ, then it, the inside is sealed and the outside is sealed. So not none of the judgment or the condemnation from outside could get in. Brilliant. And to, and to go to another step, consider this: the Bible says that after all the animals came to the ark, that God had to close the door. Right. Can you, now think about this. You're standing outside the ark, and all of a sudden, this big, gigantic door that had to be huge because animals had to, I mean, ele- two elephants walked in side by side. So it had to be pretty huge. This is crazy to me. And all of a sudden, like an like a invisible hand or a hydraulic lift lifts it up and closes it. But that would not have been enough, Gerard, mm. if it's going to be waterproof in that kind of torrential downpour. That means it had to be sealed to perfection. Right. All of this is a picture of, of our sanctification, of, of us being brought into Christ. Now, here's the thing. No doubt, because at one point in the story, the Bible says that God sent a, a wind, a strong wind, uh, when it was time for the water to recede, to dry the water. So, you know, when you mix wind and water, you have waves. Right. 
So, so imagine the, the ark is rolling on waves. So there were people inside the ark, no doubt, falling down, yeah, rolling, throwing up. You got it? Right. But it all happened inside the ark. No matter how you fail, you were in the ark. No matter how you threw up, no matter how you probably got frustrated with God, but you're in the ark. And that's the picture of sanctification, that everything that happens to us in Christ, I don't care how you fall. I don't care how you, you, you get a bad taste for what's happening in your life. I don't care what happens. It happens in Christ. It happens in the ark. Wow. That's, that's sanctification. That, that's, that, that's incredible. I, I don't know that I've ever thought about <laughs> those details with the ark before. But, it's a good story to go back and read. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, because that, that movie that was out, I think, just kind of really messed my head up about Noah. But, <laughs> but I mean, th- this, I mean, to really think about those details in terms of, you know, because nowadays, if, if anywhere close to that much rain falls, it's a flood. Right. You know, and cars get drowned, houses, you know, get destroyed and all these types of things. So for this wooden arc, to literally rise and not be, you know, overcome by the water is is incredible. That's wow. That is that is amazing. That is amazing. So so let's talk this very quickly before we go. How can people because really when you start talking about evangelism and you're talking about growing the church, uh it's not just an effort from the pastor, but it obviously has to hit the pews because people help to grow the church. What right. can people practically do on a daily basis to really become an effective witness? You know, I'm going to tell you that this is important and pe- people don't realize this. The way a believer behaves, mm. purports themselves, the, the way they respond to life, the way they treat people, the way they, they dress, the way they carry themselves, it says a lot about where they go to church. That's true. The way, the way, that, the way they, they, they purport themselves on social media, the way they respond when people fall, the way we even address politics. Mm-hmm. And and this is important to know. Your pastor is a shepherd. Yes. Um, he shepherds sheep. If you go and, and study the different uh, groupings of animals in the world, you'll find that sheep are the only uh, group of animals that need human leadership. And and so that's why God calls sheep a flock. Wow. Now, the other ones, we, we put, you have um, cattle uh, wranglers or whatever, they, but cattle don't need men to lead them, but sheep do. Sheep do. Mm-hmm. So it's important to know that if the church is going to multiply and grow, spiritual growth is on the shoulders, I believe, of the pastor. It's, it's his job to get with God and to establish a, a prayer engine in the church and to, and to bring the word and to be true to the, to the word. He has to be growing himself. A lot of things the pastor has to do. But when it comes to, to church growth, God adds to the church, but it happens because the sheep multiply. Right. Sheep beget sheep. Right. In other words, they have to they have to go out there and their light shines in the community and people are attracted. And uh, th- that is why, Gerard, that's why cell groups work. Mm-hmm. Because matter of fact, what I found is a phenomenon that most people who join churches with a cell group, they join the cell, they connect with the cell group before they even come to the big church. That's the truth. Yeah, because they, they, you, you, you develop this relation, excuse me, this relationship, this connection with people uh, of like faith, and many times people who would like failure. Right. See, what, what we miss is this: is that sometimes we hide our failures, but sometimes people connect to you not because of your faith, but because they know you failed. That's true. 
Um, so so it's how we it's how we sell ourselves. And one of the worst things you can do is 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 uh, I posted something some uh, maybe last night or the night before that ministry is not a competition. Right. So so it, it's a bad look for you to tell people my church is better than their church. Right. Right. That's 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 just immature. It's the wrong concept. It's not what God sent us to do. But I'm gonna tell you something that you can do. If a person has been is a person has been um done poorly, mm-hmm. maybe by poor leadership or even by a poor experience, an unfortunate set of circumstances, and they're looking for a new place. Um, if your church is a fit for them, then I think it's imp- it'd be a good thing. Not just don't just invite them. That's the the problem with a lot of believers is that we want to invite people and 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 expect them to come. No. Say so I'm coming to get you. Right. If a if a person is sick, most times they, they don't drive themselves to the hospital. We call it ambulance, or we take them ourselves. That's, go get them. That's right. You know, go get them. You bring them in, and then don't just bring them to church and leave them. You you be their sponsor. Be with them. Um, talk to them about the, the message afterwards. If it's something that 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 uh, is going on in your church that that is a turnoff for people, and you notice that it's a common thing, then you you maybe want to talk to your leadership and say, you know, testimony service shouldn't be four hours long. Right. You know, or, or the sound system sounds really horrible. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Pastor, when you scream in the mic at, at, at 10 and the volume on 10, we don't even know what you're saying. Right. We may need to address stuff like that. So so I think church growth um, is something that happens in concert with with the pulpit and the pew and the, the, the symmetry or the, I guess that's a, that's a good word. Yeah. Um, or synchronicity between um, how ministry is received and then how ministry is passed on. Yeah, you, you see what I'm saying. Yeah. I receive. If, if I'm getting, for example, if I when I everyone knows, everyone knows I'm gonna make a shameless plug right now in Montgomery, Alabama. There's a restaurant called uh, Wishbone. Okay, and everyone knows that my wife and I love Wishbone. Yes. Why? Because every time we go there, the food is great, and we always have a great experience there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they should be. If you go to church, and it's always good food, a good experience, and you know people whose lives are falling apart because they're not getting a good word, or, or they may be getting a good word that's not relevant to where they are. Right. And and another thing, too, while I'm, while I'm on my soapbox, let me stay here. Um, there, like in my city, and I say my city, I pastor in three cities technically, but in the, in the home city where the big church is, mm-hmm. in Dothan, there are over 60,000 people who are, are um, in Dothan proper, but the community, like the, the county um, seat, is probably 100, between 100 and 120. Okay. Most of those people are unchurched. Right. So, so now, I'm going to tell you what, it's, it's very easy to go to go find a person that's already got some word in them. That's, the, that's an easy person to get. Right. And, and, and try to pull them from a church to another church. What about you find the find people that don't know the Lord? Yes. What about you find the people that the that, that ones that do need Jesus? Not, not the ones that bounce from church to church. Find people who need the Lord. Yes. And and you and you start you take you begin you begin to befriend and to bond with them and then you bring them to church and, and you sponsor them and, and when and sometimes they'll come and they won't understand. You be the one that explains and you and, and you kind of be there for them until it can stand on their own. What many people don't know is that what that's what that's what um, Barnabas did for for Paul. Right. He was the one. Barnabas was the go between between the church and Paul until Paul could stand on his own two feet and become the, the minister and apostle apostle that God called him to be. Good grief! That is so <laughs> good, and I'm I'm really glad we had that conversation because I just feel like. Th- 
the, the witnessing piece, the church growth piece is not as hard as we make it out to be. I think sometimes, just like we do, honestly, with our relationship with God, we kind of complicate things, throwing our own ideas in there. But I'm hoping that this conversation for all who are listening is helping to simplify and can show you just how you can win your coworker, how you can win your family, you know, one moment, one conversation at a time. And that's why we do Heart to Heart as part of On Course with Heart Ramsey. We want to hear what you've learned from today's session. So uh, hit us up via social media and use the hashtag Heart to Heart. That's H-A-R-T, the number two, and then the word H-E-A-R-T. Let us know your thoughts and let us know how you're enjoying this podcast series. And we'll be back next time with On Course with Heart Ramsey.